Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. Today, I want to introduce you guys to Jessica Ash. She is a SoCal-based clinical nutritionist and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She specializes in in female hormones, gut health, anti-aging, and metabolism. And just five years ago, she was suffering from the symptoms of PCOS and three autoimmune diseases on a daily basis. So flash forward to now, she has transitioned from focusing on her own healing journey to helping women change their mindset about their body, understand their cycle, and hack their hormones so they can ditch their symptoms and live life on fire. So I am so excited to get this episode started and to share this with you because I align a lot with what Jessica stands for, really looking at the root imbalances. Um, We both focus on women with PCOS and this is so, so important in order to find true healing. So I'm really excited to dive into all of the information, looking at the diets, the trending diets that are going on for PCOS and really understanding what we really need to focus on as the root imbalances and how we can address true healing of the thyroid, the adrenals, your metabolism, etc. So super excited for this and I know you guys are going to love it. So let's get started. So welcome Jessica to the podcast. I'm super excited for this episode today because I wanted to get you on for so long. I know we've been following each other a little bit on Instagram and I just love what you're doing. We do focus a little bit on the same niche, so women's hormones, PCOS, but we also do agree a lot um, on kind of like how to treat it, especially with nutrition and all of that. We do have a lot of the same values, so I'm super excited to talk about a lot of stuff that people are just confused about and there's just a lot of misconceptions. So yeah, I'm super excited for today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited too. I love breaking this stuff down. Yeah, and I know there's going to be a lot of golden nuggets, so super, super excited for this. So basically, I would love for you to start off by talking a little bit about how you got to where you are today, because I know you as well, you struggled with a lot of symptoms and health issues, and I'm guessing that's probably brought you to helping others with this, but if you could share your story, that would be really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll keep it short and sweet. So, you know, ever since I went through puberty, I had period problems and uh, it was, you know, either painful, intense periods and mood imbalances and just slight things. But as a young girl, I didn't really know that that was out of the norm. Like, you know, everyone had talked about how periods are the worst and that's just part of being a woman. And so I just kind of sucked it up. And then it got to a point where it got really, really bad when I was around 16. And I just had uh, just long, long cycles. And of course, the the only fix that was presented to me was being put on birth control. And, you know, I was very young at the time around 16. And, you know, my mom was very worried about me. And so we kind of made the decision together was like, well, you know, this is the only option I've been given. And this what's happening to me is really scary. And so uh, that kind of started my, uh, my health journey. And I went on birth control for two years, not really knowing anything about how the birth control pill worked or anything like that, just went on it uh, and went on my merry way. And as time went on, I kind of realized things weren't normal. I wasn't really feeling like myself. Um, yeah, my period problems had gone away and my skin had cleared up and the physical symptoms had kind of cleared up, but mentally I was not myself. I just uh, couldn't control my emotions. I kind of had felt like a switch had been cut 
kind of shut off and it just didn't feel like me. And so around 18 or 19, I can't remember exactly when, but I just kind of decided to go off the pill. I didn't even think it was anything. I didn't even know what it was really. And so when I went off the pill, it was kind of like everything came crashing down. Within six months, I had gained 30 to 40 pounds. I was experiencing all types of mood, you know, anxiety, depression, panic attacks. I felt like I was not myself. Um, my hair was falling out. I had acne on my face and back and chest, which I had never had before, rashes all over my body. Um, and I was so, so tired, fatigued. I could barely walk up and down a flight of stairs. And so, of course, I knew something was not not right. Every, something was wrong. And so I started going to doctors and I, and you know, they started running tests and saying that, that famous line, everything is normal. And I had to go to doctor after doctor after doctor. And finally, uh, I found a functional medicine doctor that was able to figure out what was wrong with me. And I was diagnosed with PCOS, lupus, Hashimoto's, and uh, celiac disease. So I had three autoimmune diseases and polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that was at the age of 20. And so at that point, I was you know, presented just very little options. And I thought there's got to be more than this. And so that's kind of when I started to dive into nutrition and hormones, just kind of understanding the female body. At the time, I didn't really, I wasn't doing it for a career path. It was just more me wanting to figure out my own health and, and fix this because I was like, as a 20 year old, I am not going to go back on that birth control pill and I am not going to be put on medication for the rest of my life. So something else has got to happen. And so uh, it just kind of started this journey of experimentation and healing and, um, you know, changing my nutrition and my lifestyle and just. I, I was opened up to a world of how incredible just changing something as simple as your nutrition and lifestyle and your mindset could be for, I don't necessarily say healing your condition, but really reversing the symptoms of your conditions. Yeah, your story and your journey is just so inspiring. I just can't imagine going through, because I also have had my issues, but like three autoimmune diseases, that is quite a lot, especially for a 20 year old. And I do see this a lot where we kind of have to go through the shit quote-unquote by herself exactly. like you know get through the the different doctors and the research and it takes a long time I don't know about you but for me there was like it was a pretty long journey but if I had kind of like the person like for for you for instance if I had like a coach like you it probably would have gone a lot faster like if I'd known what I had to do but I really had to kind of like swim through all of the information and the different practitioners and doctors myself um, exactly. So it's really important kind of what we do, what you do, what I do, because uh, it can help people really get better faster as well, right? And just avoid all of that pain and struggle. And it's especially emotionally difficult. Um, not only Absolutely. is PCOS going to affect obviously mental health, we both know that. But when you're also not really given answers or solutions, you're told it's all in your head, everything's fine. We've all been there. Um, it's definitely not going to help the healing journey. So yeah, I definitely can relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of women listening can as well. And yeah. I'm guessing that when you went to see your doctors at the beginning, they didn't really talk about diet, did they? No, they didn't even talk about diet and they really, I mean, I was, I was referred to a psychiatrist more than I was actually talked to about nutrition. <laughs> that's the craziest part. Yeah, it is crazy how it's not even linked together, but that's why I really want to talk about diet for PCOS because I don't know about you, but I probably get this question, I don't even know how many times, but 
about the perfect diet for PCOS. Should we be a vegan, keto, paleo, whatever it is? Like, and people are getting really, really strict about what their eating habits are like. And it's becoming really common to see eating disorders and disordered eating patterns. So I'd love for you to kind of break down in your opinion, is there a perfect diet for PCOS? And then if we could kind of address the popular trending diets, um, like vegan, keto, and paleo for PCOS, kind of talk about like the pros and cons of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the thing about this, I guess it's a, a movement, a wave, which I, you know, is kind of devastating to me because I'm realizing that so many women are being diagnosed. You know, one in 10 women are being diagnosed with PCOS. That's a lot of women. And what we have to understand is that PCOS is a really poorly named condition. It really has very little to do with our ovaries. You know, polycystic ovarian syndrome sounds like, oh my gosh, what's going on with my ovaries? And yeah, it really is has very little to do with that. It is a metabolic issue that affects the reproductive system. And so just, you know, just because you have PCOS doesn't mean that your condition is going to look the same as the, the girl over there that has PCOS. Because even though you both struggle with a condition called PCOS, the your bodies aren't remotely the same. And so it's kind of one of those things where PCOS has really some driving factors, but it's going to be expressed differently in most women. And, you know, I've kind of narrowed it down to five main driving factors. So everyone with PCOS has inflammation. They have high stress hormones. Usually they have poor thyroid function. They have low progesterone in relationship to estrogen. And then they have slow gut motility and uh, gut bacteria overgrowth. And so usually these five factors are playing a role in the symptoms of PCOS, like acne, high testosterone, insulin resistance and weight loss resistance, hirsutism, um, PMS, mood imbalances, that kind of thing. But when you're actually looking at a diet, you want to look at nutrition that's going to actually get to the root cause, which is those five main driving factors. And, you know, any other diet is really just putting a Band-Aid on your symptoms. It's not actually fixing them. And so, you know, for, for example, like vegan, veganism, if you restrict animal protein, uh, because it, it might make an immediate difference because you aren't digesting animal protein well in the first place. But is that really the animal protein's fault or is that the fact that the digestive system has broken down. And then restricting protein uh, can really affect your blood sugar quite negatively. It also impairs liver detoxification, which most women who have PCOS are already having problems detoxifying. They're already having problems getting estrogen out of the body. Their livers are already burdened and the liver needs adequate levels of protein in order to be able to detoxify properly. And then, you know, in addition to that, when we start restricting main food groups, like in, in, you know, I'll talk about veganism first, we, we really forget that certain nutrient dense foods that we're restricting things like dairy and things like animal proteins, uh, we have to replace those and we have to replace those properly. And when it comes to the vegan diet, you usually uh, protein-rich foods with veganism also come with tons and tons of starches. So for example, rice, beans, lentils, um, even tofu, or I shouldn't say tofu, soy products, a lot of times have starches that are very difficult to break down. And like I said, most women with PCOS already have impaired digestion. And so if you're 
you know, restricting protein. And then in addition, you're also adding in starch-based proteins that are difficult to break down. You're most likely creating a protein deficiency. And that's my biggest problem with veganism. In addition to most vegan products, if you're not being careful, have industrial seed oils put into them. Things like canola oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, which are incredibly metabolically damaging. And if your <laughs> metabolism is already damaged, it just kind of adds fuel to the fire. And then when it comes to things like paleo and keto, um, you know, paleo is, is I guess, whole foods based, but I think people have kind of taken it too far. They've really decided that, you know, paleo is this, 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 and this. And um, I think that paleo has merit for women with PCOS. I mean, a lot of women see their symptoms improve, but, you know, at the end of the day, you, you really need to be focusing on a balanced diet with PCOS. And just because something's paleo doesn't necessarily mean it's PCOS supportive. You know, we need to be making sure we're getting adequate levels of protein, uh, saturated fats, and and uh, proper carbohydrates. And sometimes, you know, when we go on a diet, like for for example, paleo, we just we eat foods that uh, are quote unquote paleo, even if they're not body honoring or body supporting. And then, you know transitioning over to keto, which is really just, um, I feel like a little bit of an extension of paleo where, you know, it's just paleo taken to the next level and carbs are restricted. Um, and it, it depends on the type of keto a woman is practicing. Some women practice like very heavy dairy based keto and some women are doing more whole foods, uh, you know, high fat, low carb. And the problem is, is when you restrict carbohydrates in PCOS, you're not fixing the problem. The problem in the first place is that the body is so stressed out. It cannot metabolize glucose properly. And so instead of fixing the problem and helping the cells metabolize glucose properly, you're just restricting the glucose altogether. So yeah, you might see your glucose levels go down and your insulin levels go down, but that wasn't the problem in the first place. The problem in the first place was the inflammation, the, the poor thyroid function, the high stress hormones, the gut issues, and um, you know the low progesterone in relationship to estrogen. And so uh, those, those diets can sometimes help those symptoms get better, but I, I rarely see a very restrictive diet helping a woman recover altogether. I'm glad that you mentioned that because for me too, I tried to get into the labeling, um, especially as a nutritionist. I kind of want to test it out for myself, but right. I'm definitely prone to disordered eating. And with PCOS, um, there's a higher risk as well. So that did not go well with me. Um, and then right. with keto, it's a good point that you make because it's kind of like when you take out a food that you're sensitive to, right? Like you can take it out, it might feel better, but if you don't heal the gut, then you're not going to get anywhere. So it's kind of like the keto thing they were talking about. If you can't metabolize a piece of fruit properly, then that's probably not a good indication um, that your obviously blood sugar or insulin is working properly. And we want to be able to eat a piece of fruit without, you know, going crazy, right? So right. totally agree with that. Um, I think the, some of these diets can be, in my opinion, um, working really well for people, but more in like short term. For yes. most people, I don't think long term labeling is very safe. And I don't think it's a great way to live either. But yeah, I mean, the labeling thing is, I think, a big issue nowadays. And as you mentioned as well, like the kind of vegan junk food, um, just because it says vegan doesn't mean it's healthy, right? So we really have right. to focus on more nutrition, which I know you focus on. 
Um, so what would you say, what are the principles that you recommend when it comes to eating for PCOS? So how could maybe somebody look at um, creating their own plate and make it balanced with PCOS? I love this question. So, you know, I, I, really try to stray away from the labeling and really focus on what we should be eating. Cause I think like, like you said, a lot of times those diets, they place so much emphasis on the foods that we shouldn't be eating that we forget. We really need to be focusing on the foods that are nourishing our bodies and giving our bodies the nutrients that it needs. And, you know, if we're just eating something because it doesn't include such and such, such or X, Y, Z, then we're, we've missed the point of what nutrition is, which is providing the body, the building blocks and the tools it needs to rebuild itself and actually truly heal. And so the principles that I really recommend in PCOS is actually quite simple. And it really like people are like, wait, that's it? Like what? You know, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it's being very overcomplicated these days. And a lot of times when you're trying to figure out what diet works for you, you need to make sure that the person that's telling you what XYZ diet is not trying to sell you something. Because if they are, they're most likely trying to promote their ideas to make a a dollar. And so, you know, the principles that I recommend are keeping your meals very, very balanced. So I always go by the mantra protein, carbon, fat at every single meal, because each macronutrient plays a role in blood sugar balance and metabolic and cellular function. So protein it, its main responsibility is for building, and then it also will lower blood sugar quite dramatically. And it, and it does induce an insulin response. A lot of people think just carbs induce an insulin response, but so does protein, especially when eating al eaten alone. And so protein's main job is to lower blood sugar, and carbohydrates' main job is to raise blood sugar. And a lot of people with PCOS are afraid of that. Like, you know, the, the lower your blood sugar, the better. That is not the case. Your blood sugar needs to be very tightly regulated, and your body regulates it, but it needs the proper macronutrients. And so we need protein, carb, and then fats. And the type of fats we eat matters. Like, I place huge emphasis on saturated fats, and that's been, you know, in our culture, there's been kind of like this weird rumor going around that saturated fats cause high cholesterol and saturated fats, you know, damage your, your arteries and all this stuff, which is just complete baloney. There's no scientific evidence, true scientific evidence that proves that. The only scientific evidence on a cellular level that I've seen is that saturated fats helps you actually heal your cell's ability to metabolize glucose. And so for me, I just place huge amounts of emphasis on protein, carbon, fat, making sure every single meal is balanced. Also keeping your blood sugar regulated is important. So a lot of women have stress hormones driving their condition, or at least playing a part in driving the condition. And the only thing that lowers stress hormones is making sure your body has adequate fuel coming in the mouth so that it doesn't have to break itself down in order and by raising stress hormones. Because stress hormones main role is to actually break the tissues down to provide the body with quick fuel when the body is under stress. And so if we're not intaking fuel, then our body has to make fuel. And the way it does that is by raising things like cortisol and adrenaline. And those are, you know, metabolic uh, diminishers. They also uh, greatly inflame the cells long-term. And so we need to make sure we're eating at regular intervals. So I say, you know, stick to balanced meals with protein, carbon, fat, eating at regular intervals. Someone with PCOS, when they first get diagnosed, they need to be eating every two hours to keep blood sugar stable. And they sometimes eat 
even have to wake up in the middle of the night to uh, consume a small snack that's protein, carbon, fat balance to keep stress hormones low. And then uh, in addition to that, just avoiding inflammatory foods. So, you know, uh, every woman is different with this. This is very relative to the woman. Sometimes women uh, need to avoid dairy because it inflames them. Some women are fine with dairy. Some women need to avoid legumes because they're very inflammatory. And so they need to avoid that. And, and the way that you would tell that they're inflammatory is, you know, they're irritating your skin. They're making you feel really bloated. Your digestion is slow. You have irregular bowel movements. You know, you're, you don't feel good when you eat them. For many women, this is uh, grains and legumes are very difficult to break down, especially when your digestion is impaired. And then as time goes on, you usually can tolerate them a lot better. Um, but the main thing that I think needs to be avoided with polycystic ovarian syndrome is just toxins, chemicals, and industrial seed oils um, like canola and soybean and safflower. These, these oils and chemical additives that have been added to our foods just provide too much of a burden to an already metabolically impaired person. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really think that I love how you're talking more about the fat thing because I've seen it on your story too. And I think that we tend to focus more on, I mean, sugar is definitely the the fear nowadays. Um, right. But of course, refined sugars are definitely not recommended for PCOS. But I definitely think there's not enough emphasis on the hydrogenated oils, the trans fat and all of that, which is so damaging for metabolic health, but also inflammation, everything else. So yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of people just have no idea that those fats are even in the foods that they're eating or that they're unhealthy. So I'm very glad that you mentioned that. It's super important. Yeah, really important. And, you know, this huge emphasis on removing refined sugar from the diet, it's funny because those fats are what actually affect your body's ability to burn that sugar. You know what I mean? So like you're having a problem burning sugar in your cell and it's not the sugar's fault. It's the, the hydrogenated oils that are inflaming the cell, not allowing it to uh, process it properly. Yeah, exactly. So we definitely have to focus, as you mentioned, taking out the damaging oils, obviously the refined carbs and sugars, um, anything highly processed, um, I think should definitely not be in PCOS diet, but I'm also glad that you mentioned that um, some foods may be good for some women, some may not be, and also that we need to focus more on what we can eat and what's nourishing to us, because I think a lot of people just look at eliminating everything, but then they're miserable because they don't know what to add in or they weren't told what to add in. So we want to focus right. on, you know, having lots of abundance of fruits and vegetables and whole foods. Um, instead of just thinking, oh my God, I can't have that cheese anymore or whatever it is, because that's definitely right. not going to work and it's not going to be sustainable, right? Right. And you're going to be really uh, miserable. I mean, it might be sustainable for a month or two months and then you cheat or quote unquote cheat and then you feel really guilty and ashamed and it, it, it becomes a really vicious cycle. And it's one of those things where I just want women empowered about their food and to avoid the things that are actually causing problems and to then, you know, just honor their body and listen to their body and whatever their body says this is not working for me then you don't eat it but if it's not there's no reason to restrict just to restrict totally and I think it's also an experiment we can do testing but it's also going to be more of like I think the best way to determine that is do you feel good eating it do you want to cut it out maybe for a month maybe a bit more 
bring it back in. How do you feel with it? I think that's the best way, but obviously we can test as well. Um, but yeah, it's not one size fits all. And I'm glad the message is getting out. But I really like to get into a topic that I think most women with PCOS, is probably their number one concern, and that's weight loss. Why is it so freaking mm. difficult to lose weight with PCOS? I would love for you to address that and then kind of talk about like the common misconceptions about PCOS and weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the biggest misconception that I just want to like hit with a hammer is that to cure your PCOS, you need to lose weight. Like I've, I've heard that so many times from my clients, just their doctor was telling them that you need to lose weight and then your PCOS will be better. And it's like, uh, do you not think that I've been trying to lose weight? Like, duh, you know, it's like been my number one goal and I can't, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg. It's kind of one of those situations where if you have PCOS, it's very difficult to, to lose weight and losing weight and that rumor that losing weight is going to be the cure-all for PCOS is just not true. There's different types of weight loss. There's healthy weight loss, there's forced weight loss, um, and your body, there's a big difference to your body. Um, in, a, in a woman with PCOS, her metabolic dysfunction is driven by those five things that I talked about before. Inflammation, high stress hormones, usually cortisol and adrenaline, sometimes prolactin, poor thyroid function. So when I say poor thyroid function, I'm not talking about TSH. TSH is a poor marker for figuring out if your thyroid is low. You need to go by your body temperatures and um, you also should you know, be paying attention to the warmth of your hands and feet. And then you want to be checking your T3, which is the active thyroid hormone. The thyroid actually makes a hormone called T4 and it gets sent to the liver and the gut to be turned into the active thyroid hormone, the, the regulator of your metabolism, T3. And that's what actually goes into the cells and determines the way the cells process glucose. The so next just a thing quick is progesterone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Just for the testing. I know a lot of people just do the TSH too. That's why I really think it's important right. to full panel. Um, it's just so annoying because women will come back and they're like, my TSH is fine, but that really doesn't mean anything. And then you're not, you're not even testing right. antibodies, et cetera. But you're also talking about temperature. Can you talk just a quick, a uh, little bit about that? Like how, what would the temperature range be for normal quote unquote thyroid function and what would abnormal be? Do you know? Absolutely. So um, I usually like to see something like, so if you're taking a waking temperature, which is what I recommend, and if you're already tracking your cycles, you know, tracking ovulation, then it's, it's quite easy to just pay attention. But um, you, you want it optimally between 97.8 to 98.6 or regular body temperature. Um, that is where it should be upon waking. And then after a meal, you should see it kind of rise. And a lot of times women will be like, oh my gosh, you know, my temperatures are 96 or, you know, 96.7. Like, oh my gosh, I have really low temps, chronically low temps. And that is chronically low metabolic function. And there are actually, you know, research studies that have shown that women with PCOS do have low metabolic function, which to me shows that their metabolism and their thyroid function is suboptimal. And this would be considered sometimes, you know, if you're, you're your thyroid levels on a test don't reflect that you have cold hands and cold feet and low temps. Doctors 40 years ago used to just diagnose based on temperatures alone um, because they knew it was more accurate of a reading than a blood test. Uh, stress hormones can suppress your TSH. And so sometimes on a test, it's going to be in that normal range and you actually have high cortisol, which is suppressing TSH. So, you know, on a different day, you might 
take your TSH blood test and it would be way skyrocketing. And so for me, being able to do like a daily self-test with temperatures is a way better way to go because a blood test is just kind of a snapshot in time. And if you really are struggling with a lot of thyroid symptoms, which a lot of women with PCOS have thyroid symptoms, I always talk about the study that when they remove the thyroid from rats, um, it immediately gave those rats polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh, within about like, I, I want to say a couple of hours. I can't remember the exact details, but it's, it's crazy to see how thyroid, your thyroid is directly, is going to directly affect your ovaries. And they actually consider the thyroid the third ovary. Yeah. And it's an epidemic of just hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's going on and just poor thyroid function. And there's also the issue that frustrates me about optimal ranges versus kind of like the normal range, which is comparing to like disease states, right? So we obviously want to be focusing on optimal ranges, but not all doctors look at that. So yeah, I think it's really important to know what to ask for and what to look for. And then obviously to work with somebody who knows what they're doing to make sure that you have a full assessment. So thank you for going over that. I don't know why I interrupted you, to be honest. <laughs> No, I, I do. I, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, I should say before I move on from thyroid is that usually when a woman is having a problem with weight loss resistance and insulin resistance, it is, I would say like eight out of 10, the problem is mainly the thyroid. Um, most women that I've had that have come to me with, with, uh, inability to lose weight, it's almost always a thyroid uh, dysfunction that has not been caught by a doctor or it's maybe subclinical. So it's not showing up on a test, but they're, they're cold all the time. Their temps are chronically low, that kind of thing. Um, but this is, you know, this kind of goes hand in hand with the next thing, which is low progesterone. So one of the main problems with PCOS, and I, I like to bring awareness to this is that PCOS is an anovulatory problem. It's not that you don't, a lot of women have irregular periods, but the period is not the main goal of, of your cycle. So, you know, we have our period, but then we also have ovulation and ovulation is kind of that king of our, of our cycle. We, we want to put our main focus on to if we're ovulating or not, not if we're bleeding or not. And what a lot of women don't realize is that you only make progesterone or that amazing anti-inflammatory, anti-estrogenic, um, pro-thyroid hormone when you ovulate. Yeah, our adrenals make a tiny, tiny bit, but you know, if you want an abundance of progesterone, which is absolutely necessary in PCOS, you need to make sure you're ovulating. And so many women with PCOS are not ovulating due to either under eating, over exercising, uh, thyroid issues, or just stress in general. And if you're not ovulating, you're not making enough progesterone. And so that leads to usually a, a term that's being going around is called estrogen dominance, but it just means that you have high estrogen in relationship to progesterone. And high levels of estrogen in relationship to progesterone is so inflammatory to the cells, it's inflammatory to the gut, and it is a, a weight promoter. It, estrogen used to be called adipin or uh, for adipose, which they knew that feeding it to cattle would just fatten them up very quickly because estrogen is directly anti-thyroid or anti-metabolism. And so as women, we need to make sure we are ovulating and making enough progesterone because progesterone helps our cells metabolize glucose and helps our thyroid, which again is going to help us metabolize glucose. So I very regularly see low progesterone and suboptimal thyroid function in women with PCOS, which is totally going to drive insulin resistance and weight loss resistance. 
Um, and then inflammation and gut issues can also drive insulin resistance. So, you know, if you are const if your gut's constantly inflamed, if you have an overgrowth of bacteria or fungus or parasites or, you know, that big bag of bugs is, is uh, very disrupted, then that is the only place where our body is going to take the outside world in, break it down, uh, uh, and assimilate those nutrients. And if it's inflamed and it's kind of like a chaotic mess in there, how do we expect our body to get the fuel and the nutrients it needs if it's just trying to survive and protect uh, because there's so much disruption in that microbiome? So those, to me, are the main things that need to be focused on for weight loss. Usually when you take care of those problems, you don't have to worry about dieting or counting calories or anything like that because you you quote unquote magically start to see the weight disappear because there's a reason why we store fat. It's for protection. Our body believes that it needs to store fuel for later, or it's not properly metabolizing fuel due to stress. And so of course, it'll just put it in the fat cells for storage for later. That's all fat is, is fuel for later. And so that shows you, a fat storage just shows you that your body's improperly burning fuel. And we want to actually increase the way that our body burns fuel. We don't want to restrict fuel so that our body has less fuel to burn. It doesn't make sense if you're trying to get a Ferrari to go 100 miles per hour, you don't put less gas in the tank, you put more gas in the tank. And it goes the same for your body. You have to get your body burning fuel efficiently so that you don't have to restrict fuel in order to lose weight. I hope that makes sense. I love it. Yes, it does. Totally. And I just want to go into a little bit the thyroid and adrenal specifically. Um, I know the yeah. adrenals are so important and specifically tied in with PCOS. There's even a type of adrenal stress PCOS. Um, it seems to be more um, dominant in the lean type of PCOS. But of course, in every woman, I've there's definitely some lowered adrenal function for sure. I mean, with the stress that's going on. Um, it's not surprising, but could you talk a little bit about how they are linked, the thyroid and adrenals? And um, yeah, just talk about that first. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I first kind of want to break down that idea that there's different types of PCOS because I think it's kind of confusing to women and it, it's good to kind of simplify things. But then at the same time, a lot of women are coming to me just more confused than ever before. So, you know, the, the main drivers of PCOS are going to be expressed in different women depending on their genetics. And so, for example, for lean PCOS, just because they don't have insulin resistance doesn't mean that inflammation, stress hormones, poor thyroid function, uh, low progesterone is and gut issues are not driving their condition. Their genes are just expressed in a different way. And so this goes the same for like insulin resistance and inflammatory PCOS and post pill PCOS. It's all kind of stemming from the same issues. It's just being expressed in a different way. And so what we have to understand about ad adrenal health when it comes to women with PCOS is that every single woman with PCOS has a stress problem. Every single one. Doesn't matter what type, doesn't matter, um, you know, who you are, doesn't matter. It's, there is always stress playing a role always. And it, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's cortisol. It could be cortisone. It could be um, adrenaline. It could be prolactin. I mean, there's so many different stress hormones. And so this directly suppresses the thyroid. Uh, stress hormones in themselves, specifically cortisol, do suppress thyroid function. And so, you know, we always see thyroid dysfunction and uh, 
I, I hate saying adrenal issues, but cortisol issues playing a role with each other. You very rarely have a thyroid condition without a cortisol problem and vice versa, because the adrenals usually pick up the slack when the thyroid is suppressed. And um, usually in PCOS, the thyroid is suppressed because a woman with PCOS is usually not making enough progesterone. She's inflamed. She is not detoxifying things properly, which all directly impact the thyroid. And so um, in a woman with PCOS, stress is always playing a role. And the problem with stress is that when your body is under stress, or we can call it fight or flight or being in a survival state, your body is not going to uh, take its time to like burn fuel properly. It's just going to burn fuel as quickly as it possibly can. And in some cases, it will also store fuel for later because it's afraid. And this very regularly happens in women who are restricting calories or dieting down too hard. What you have to understand is that your body doesn't know the difference between a diet and a famine. Your body, when you're dieting or restricting calories, your body just thinks that food is scarce. And so doesn't it make sense for the body to want to store as much fuel for later if food is scarce? Of course, the body's main goal is to survive. And so when stress is high or when you're putting your body into a survival state, whether that's from emotional stress or not giving your body enough to eat or over-exercising or not sleeping enough, your thyroid is taking a direct hit. And remember, the thyroid regulates how every single cell is going to burn fuel. And so I'd love for you to get into a little bit, because obviously we address like the five driving factors for PCOS. Every woman is yeah. different. We obviously have to look at the lifestyle, what they're eating, their emotional health. But what are some of your favorite natural solutions to start to heal the thyroid and the adrenals, especially when it comes to the metabolic health with PCOS? Yeah. So, you know, I usually recommend food as medicine first and the five balanced meals per day is one of my favorite strategies for both lowering stress hormones and also supporting the thyroid. Because again, like I said, stress hormones are usually high due to the body being nutrient deficient or the body having to break down its own tissues, send those amino acids or free fatty acids to the liver to be converted into glucose. And then the liver will put the glucose into the bloodstream to keep uh, uh, blood glucose levels stable, and then that blood glucose will actually fuel the cells. And so um, if we are not eating enough or we're not eating frequently enough, then our body actually has to raise stress hormones in order to make its own fuel. And so what better way to lower stress than to make sure we're eating consistently, we're eating regularly, and we're eating enough. Um, and and if that, I should say that if this goes without saying, but making sure those foods are anti-inflammatory and also nutrient dense. So they provide your body with rich source of nutrients. They're not just like, you know, hundred little calorie meals. Um, the next thing that I recommend, once you've kind of gotten your balanced meal regimen of consistently eating, you know, every two to three hours throughout the day down, you'll already probably see a big difference. Um, and then the next thing is just going to be sleep. So a lot of women with PCOS feel like more is better when it comes to exercise and they're very regularly sacrificing sleep for the gym. And I very, very strongly recommend against this. So sleep is so important for both healing and recovery. It's also the time when our body's really regenerating itself and it, our body really gets to rest at that time. And so this should not be taken lightly. And after, you know, getting your regular balanced meals implemented, the next thing is just making sure you're prioritizing your sleep. The best way to do this is to get off those screens an hour before you go to bed. So go old fashioned, get a book, 
Um, put a red light bulb near your bed instead of a bright light LED. And then just relax before bed. I think a lot of times we spend our nights scrolling and then by the time 11 o'clock rolls around, we're wide awake because of that blue light coming from our screen and it just kind of keeps us tired but wired. And so it's just so important to kind of spend about an hour kind of relaxing and winding down for bed and then getting a really good night's sleep. And then after you're, you're getting that, light is so important. So sunlight, and a lot of us spend our days inside under fluorescent lighting or under LEDs, or we're not getting enough natural sunlight. And this is so stressful to our body. It's stressful in itself to not get enough light. Um, our cells do rely upon light heavily. And when we don't get enough sunlight, it's, it's directly stressful in addition to not making enough vitamin D, which can be really stressful on the body. So those are kind of my three main things for PCOS is you need to make sure that you're eating regular balanced meals that are nutrient dense and anti-inflammatory, um, making sure you're sleeping and making sure you're getting adequate levels of sunlight and then darkness at night. Yeah, I love it. Cause I think Nowadays, we are just in this society that just undervalues rest and recovery, especially when it comes to women. We're just not even paying attention to our cycles or how we're feeling, and we just want to perform like men and just be go, go, go all the time. And I love how you kept it simple but significant because I think a lot of women also are just looking for that quick fix magic pill like oh maybe she has like an amazing new supplement that she'll recommend me but if you don't address you know the underlying factors when it comes to lifestyle and all of that then there's no pill that's really going to change that right so I'm so glad that right. you you actually mentioned that too and I'd love for you to just finish off with talking about what is your favorite meal right now what do you love to cook for yourself um, that feels really good and just makes your body feel really good Oh yeah. Um, this week it's been a little chilly. And so I've been, I, I rely heavy, heavily on grass fed beef just because it makes me feel a lot better than consuming poultry. And it's very rich in like zinc and B vitamins. And it's just so necessary for, for liver detoxification. And I also really enjoy consuming broth. And so when I can make a meal that has both broth and uh, a full meal in it, it's a perfect combo. So I've just been making a like a grass fed roast with carrots and celery and potatoes and onions and garlic and kind of just simmering it until it's tender. And then I just kind of put that on a side with uh, whether I have like a potato with it, or I have a piece of gluten-free bread or um, you know, I'll have some, some braised greens on the side and then I'll, or like some fruit, like I'll just combine it with a healthy carbohydrate, but I really like warming meals that I can kind of eat off of for the, for the whole week, just cause I'm always pressed for time, but I can still have nutrient dense and it's just so, you know, it's, it's, it's comfort food a little bit. Yeah. That does sound very warming and comforting, like more like a full kind of meal, but is it cold in California right now? Uh, yeah, it's kind of been raining and, and dreary. It probably won't last that long, but it yeah, has this week. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you have some new stuff coming out. I don't know if you want to talk about it on here, but if you want to talk about anything that you're working on or you want to put out there, how we can find you, how we can learn more from you, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if anyone's looking to learn more, I just educate. I try to use my platforms to educate women as much as possible about their bodies. You can find me at justcashwellness.com. Um, also my, um, my Instagram is just cash wellness. Um, I am coming out with a program called fully nourished soon, which is just kind of kind of teach women the principles 
similar to what we talked about today, just the, it's going to be a blueprint for metabolic healing using real food, using food as medicine. I really uh, feel like it's needed in this space as so many programs uh, for PCOS are all about restriction or all about following a certain diet or taking a handful of supplements. And I just find that that doesn't really work because so many of the women that are coming to me are, have been doing those things for a year or two and they're at the end of their rope. They're frustrated. They still haven't seen their symptoms improve that much. And so they're like, I want some true healing. And so I really like to educate women on traditional foods and using food as medicine truly, you know, learning about the nutrients in their food, um, not having to rely so heavily upon supplements in their life. And then also, you know, nourishing themselves, not just physically with food, but also mentally and spiritually with movement and proper water intake and exercise and that kind of thing. So it's going to be an all-inclusive um, step-by-step blueprint as to how to heal your metabolism, both mentally and physically. I'm so excited to see it come out. I think it's going to be amazing. I know all of your work um, looks amazing. I follow you on Instagram. So what you're doing is really, really important. And we both know that there is so much demand for this because people are just getting sick of being sick and tired and when they want answers and real solutions. So I applaud you for doing this work and I wish you all the best of luck for this new launch. And um, thank you for coming on and sharing everything with us. Thank you so much for having me, Lawrence, and thank you so much for the encouragement.